0: The Recovery Show has reached a milestone of 400 episodes over 10 and a half years. What milestones have you recognized in your recovery? Welcome to episode 400 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Mary, Jennifer, Eric, Julie, Sharok, Elena, Anonymous, and Catherine. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Mary, Jennifer, Eric, Julie, Sharok, Elena Anonymous, and Catherine for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery.
1: Before we begin, we would like to say that in this show, we represent ourselves rather than any 12-step program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you'll find something in our sharing that speaks to your life.
0: My name is Spencer. I am your host today. And joining me today is Eric. Welcome back to The Recovery Show, Eric.
1: Hey, Spencer. Hey, Spencer. Glad to be here. It's been quite a while.
0: It has been a while. It's been a while for me too, obviously, but okay. I found a reading that relates to change at least and recognizing change. As we'll see, I think one of the definitions of milestone has to do with recognizing change that has happened. Maybe we don't recognize it when it happens. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself, so let's just go into the reading. This is from Courage to Change. June 24th, a farmer found a magical flute. Hoping to charm his hens into laying extra eggs, he played the flute for them all day, but at nightfall he had no more eggs than usual. Later, when asked if he'd had any success, the farmer replied, I sure did, it wasn't much of a day for egg laying, but it was a great day for music. In al as in this fable, we learn that success and failure are a matter of perspective. Before coming to Al-Anon, many of us had known great disappointment because we couldn't cure alcoholism in someone we loved. In time, we began to doubt our ability to take any effective action. We didn't realize that we achieve many successes every day. Our program helps us to recognize how much we have accomplished simply by being willing to walk through the doors of an Al-Anon meeting to ask for help. In spite of difficult circumstances, we now have the opportunity to change long held behavior and beliefs. That is a great achievement, or dare I say, a milestone. The reminder says The finest gift I can give to ensure my continued recovery is willingness. Each demonstration of willingness, each meeting attended, each Alanon tool used is a mark of my success. And the quote from Grenville Kleiser. Every good thought you think is contributing its share to the ultimate result of your life. Eric, I think you texted me or emailed me or something a while back and said, hey, you got episode 400 coming up. That's quite a milestone. Maybe you should do an episode about milestones. I'm paraphrasing what you said, but it's pretty close, I think.
1: Pretty much exactly what I said.
0: And so I have you to thank for the topic idea. You're welcome, And I think the idea of asking people to contribute their own milestones as well, which we will get to. But we're going to start out with a definition. You want to give us a definition? Sure. It's a point
1: in a chain of events at which an important change, as in one's fortune, occurs as a noun, an instance of notable progress in the development of knowledge, technology, or skill. Significant change for the better is how I view this whole thing. A turning point, a breakthrough. That's where I was going with this. Yeah. Maybe there was a milestone that was uh, horrifically bad. That could be the other side of the coin. You know, finally came to a decision that said I have to end this. Some kind of milestone. Anyway, that's what it's all about. It's just turning points.
0: Yeah. Turning points, another one. So I highlighted a couple of two-word phrases here. One is important change. And the other is notable no. progress. And I think what we'll see and what I have seen when I look back, what are my milestones? There are times at which an important change occurred or when I maybe recognized notable progress. So just very quickly, a milestone for me was when I reached step 12 and I read this question that says, have you had a spiritual awakening? And I was like, I don't know. guess I got to think about that. And so I thought about it and recognized that I had had a spiritual awakening and it had just been so gradual I hadn't seen it happening. Mm-hmm. How do you think about milestones in your life?
1: A significant moment. And honestly, Spencer, it wasn't until a few days ago at four in the morning after suggesting the topic for this absolute milestone event of your our 400th episode that I thought, what are mine? Because they're often not recognized. They're not noted, not acknowledged. And we trundle through life, hopefully absorbing the tools and the experience, strength, and hope of others to better ourselves and to better equip ourselves to handle our relationships with more aplomb. Dignity, grace. Yeah, dignity, grace, and courage more compassion, everything. Like you say, with your group, just a a better way of life, a way of living. And it it sometimes takes a pause to stop and think, what were the changes? Were there some things that are notable that caused a shift? And for me, there absolutely was. When I thought about it, I got up at four in the morning and jotted them down for me, what they were. And there were three or four that were absolutely things that caused a major shift in my thinking.
0: And we'll come back to those a little bit later, won't we? When I look at milestones and I look at those definitions, and I think in one way, a significant achievement is a milestone. Getting through the 12 steps, getting through step nine. Oh, my goodness. Getting through step four was like a milestone for me. Okay. Yeah, it took me about a year. Yeah. Or... Another way that I've used the word, and this is more in a work context than in a personal context, but we use the word milestone as a way of marking progress towards a goal. If you think about traveling from one place to another, these days they're not stones, they're like little green signs along the side of the interstate, but they are there and they mark every mile so you can tell how much progress you're making in your drive. Of course, now you're Phone map app will tell you that. But back in the day, one way of looking at that would be as we're working the steps, each of those 12 steps is a milestone in the progress of your program of recovery. Some of them feel a lot bigger than others. One of the things that I thought about from my own experience, like I didn't always recognize these milestones as they were happening. You know, I I already said that earlier, like when I got to step 12, I actually had to look back. I had to look and, and ask myself, is the way that I live now different from it was before I started this program? How is it different? And do those differences make a spiritual awakening? And the answer was yes, in so many ways. I wrote them down in my journal at the time and Yes, it it constitutes a spiritual awakening because my spirit was more awake to what was happening, to what I was doing, to what I was feeling than it had been before. Yeah, absolutely. You wrote down the word waypoints here.
1: I'm sitting in my room here at home, and I'm looking around this room, which used to be my piano room, because when my older lived with me, she played the piano. I just recently put that thing in the dumpster. It practically walked itself into the dumpster. And now I have this dining room, and it's where all the pictures of my family and memorabilia are. There's a lot of mementos in this room, and a lot of them are to do with sailing. I grew up sailing. I think I was strapped in a wicker bassinet at six months old on the Long Island Sound on my father's Gaffrig schooner. When you're sailing, when you're trying to get from one place to another... Uh, I was typically the navigator. You would put in waypoints. Waypoints are what you put into your navigation, which give you a latitude longitude that gets you from one place to another. And it just occurred to me that this program is a series of waypoints. And when we arrive at the next one, be it a step, be it an awakening, be it a good orderly direction, that comes to mind here. Mm -hmm. That's a waypoint being guided to something greater than we could have done on our own. The, the word uh, just arrived yep. to me as I'm staring at a picture of my beautiful old 48-foot uh, Sparkman Stevens Yaw, the classic sailboat that I loved and owned with my brother and my dad for 15 years. This program for me is a series of arrivals uh, and departures, but also progress. So that word just seemed to ring out to me at the moment right now, Waypoint. Moving on, moving forward, and gaining some progress. Progress, not perfection. That's what this is all about. And and Episode 400 is all about a gigantic spiritual moment where we should acknowledge the progress we have made. So, thank you.
0: The thing about a waypoint, as you described it, is when you get there, then you start in a new direction. And isn't that what we do in recovery, right? Progress, it's always practice. If we ever reached perfection, I've listened to so many Al-Anon speakers who throw in at some point, I was perfect when I got here. (laughs) Which is to say, I thought I was perfect when I got here. Turns out I discovered I really wasn't. (laughs) Sometimes we... Recognize these waypoints, these milestones that we're planning towards. Maybe we're going to graduate college and get a job. Maybe we're trying to have children. Or maybe we know we're going to have a child. <laughs> There's a date that may or may not be right, and we don't really know what it's going to feel like when it happens, especially if we hadn't done it before. But we're definitely planning for it. And we know it's going to be a milestone. It's going to be a significant change for us when it happens. For me, I got this waypoint ahead a few months of retirement. And things are going to be real different. It's going to be an important change. Is it going to be notable progress? We'll see, I guess. Sometimes we plan towards a milestone. And we plan it at work. We plan it in our personal lives. And sometimes I think it's something we only see in passing or in retrospect. Oh, that happened. So in the case of this episode, we know we're coming towards it. It's 400. I did some planning. I put out an email to ask for contributions. It will be interesting to see what it looks like when I look back later. I passed 10 years without really noticing it. Um, That one's a little fuzzier. As I recall, we recorded our first episode in December of 2012, but we weren't in iTunes until January of 2013. So it's a little, how do you count it? But episodes, they're all numbered. You sent me some links about angel number 400, and I'm not really familiar with this concept of angel numbers, and I don't know, is every number got an angel number meaning? or um,
1: I don't know. I just Googled it. Yeah. There's lots of people that study numerology and tea leaves. and
0: It does appear to be a numerology <laughs> the, the concept, kind of yeah.
1: Poignant, you know. But it was cool. So,
0: But what I liked, I, I looked through the links you sent, and I found one one piece that Spoke to me. I'll say it that way. Others were there. They were meaningful in some way. But this one spoke to me. The question was, what does the number 400 mean spiritually? And it said, 400 spiritually is a friendly reminder of a new cycle in your life coupled with your spiritual growth. That's like how I feel in my life right now. It's not like this day or this week. It's more this Year ish, as there are big changes coming in my life, and to have this number 400 come up in the middle of it. Okay, there's some significance there, I guess. I just
1: clicked on it with the link I put into our show notes, uh, and uh, the meaning for indicates practicality, rebirth, drive, and plans. As uh, much as we love to think about the future, the archangels want you to relax. The energy that comes with this number is so intense. As long as you follow the engine's voice, there's no doubt you'll have their support and help. I don't know. It's just, it seems like the number's powerful. It's interesting to see what other people, the symbolism of these things. There's a lot of symbolism in our program and reaching a, a big, giant, giant round number is significant. And it's about significance. Maybe that's the point. It's a milestone. It's a marker. It's a turning point. It's a waypoint. So that's all.
0: I just asked Dolly to give me some paintings with the number 400 in them for the, yep. the cover art on the podcast. We'll see. you go.
1: Whenever I googled Zodiac signs 400, meaning of the word, meaning of the number, I always got the number with wings on it, which was cool, I thought. So taking flight, making change, Phoenix kind of feelings, that's what it's about. Major changes, waypoints.
0: We got a, a number of shares from listeners about their milestone or milestones in recovery. And since you're sitting right here in front of me, let's start with yours.
1: The other morning in preparation, as I typically do when you and I suggest something, when I think about it, I start to opine on it. And and I just came to at four in the morning and hopped up and ran to my notebook and said, What are mine? Let's not just think about what others are. This is a topic that is very meaningful. So what are mine? And here's what I came up with. Four of them I came up with, There's probably hundreds, honestly, many spiritual awakenings. Sometimes I say, the longer I stay and work this program, the more spiritual awakenings I have. And sometimes I have them on a daily basis. There's some very small, some very large, not often large, but I notice more is the point. So these are the big four that I came up with when I jumped up out of bed three nights ago at four in the morning. And in no particular sequential order by date, because I don't remember. The first was, and I've shared this on a prior episode with you. I went when I felt completely trapped. This was very early. I probably only had a year or two in program and I felt absolutely stuck i couldn't change her Uh, she wasn't willing to change and i was not willing to let go and it was crushing us all my whole family so i went away the name of the program which was six-day immersive program was called breakthrough i've spoken about it before in depth with you on this podcast it was a week of very intense self-examination of our fears and then acting out of our fears at the end of the week and really having a spiritual breakthrough. People, when they finished the week, were completely in tears. And the point of the entire week was to shift our thinking. And the, the therapist says, if we can get you to shift your feet one degree, okay, you'll stop banging your head against the wall. Eventually, you'll end up over there instead of banging your head like the fly against the window when the window next to it is wide open. So that was the first one. And that's the, one, the song I picked for later. And that was the song that was played at the end of my hour-long share about my fear. That's the first one, and that was probably 10 years ago. The mm-hmm. second was when I heard someone, an elder statesman I would call him in our program, named John. He was about eight years old, uh, and he'd been in the program for many years. And he shared in a 12 and 12 meeting, a step meeting, on Sunday here in Stanford, his story was pretty intense. He said, the steps are in order for a reason. However, you can start step 11 tomorrow morning, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And I did the next day. So meditation, one of the episodes you and I did has changed my life, truly changed my life. And it's enabled me to slow down and breathe, and to go one day at a time, and to go one hour at a time, and occasionally one minute at a time, and lower my blood pressure. That was a huge turning point for me, meditation. The third, I would say, was the ninth step with the making of amends to my alcoholic, my wife. Mm. And it, it happened. It just happened. I thought she was on the list that was the one way over there. When, uh, but your
0: higher power had different ideas, apparently.
1: My higher power just said, I'm going to tee it up for you, bro. Here it is. I didn't even know what was happening. I was sitting in a Starbucks, and it just came out. And i covered every other person, the first, the list on the left, the list on the middle, and the one on the right with her. I was like, it's never going to happen. I'm never doing it. She's ruined my life and potentially killed my children. She's a murderer. (laughs) Not in a million years. Not in a nuclear half-life of plutonium. Am I going to make that amends? And then it just happened. And that was a huge turning point because it allowed me to move on. And she didn't even know I did it. It just basically came out. It's sitting at a table at Starbucks. I said, for my part and what happened, I apologize. And I'm working on getting better at communicating with you. And um, I understand that it's difficult. Whatever I said, it just happened. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow. It's a couple of pianos came off my shoulders. And the last, the fourth, was when I heard this dude out of Michigan doing a podcast and I rang him up and I said, you did. You called hell? me. This is <laughs> I heard this dude. I heard this podcast. I was like, this is unbelievable. How are these people all talking about the crap that's in my head? And I called him up. I or emailed him or something. And I said, have you ever thought about an episode on public outreach? Because I was very involved at that point. I said, no, why don't you join me? And that was your and my first episode together of probably 40-something we've done together. So those are my four giant, the ones I can recollect that were were incredibly meaningful waypoints for me. So,
0: thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing those with, with me and with our listener. Sandy wrote, hey, Spencer, thanks for this update and for this topic. A milestone in my recovery occurred when I realized a few months into my program that I could let myself off the hook. Pre-recovery, I made the best decisions I could based on the information I had at the time, and I could not have done better. I was using the tools I had to work through my life, and even though I thought I was maintaining a veneer of perfection, I wasn't. Now I have better tools and more information. I have choices and can make better decisions. A new perspective has opened up for me when I decided to let myself off the hook. Thanks, Sandy. Deborah writes, Hi, Spencer. Hope all is well with you. In response to your request for the Milestone episode, here is mine. I began my recovery journey when my teenage son's drinking and self-destruction took me to my knees. My life was beyond unmanageable, and I was definitely insane. My pre-Al-Anon behavior included commanding sobriety, demanding my definition of appropriate behavior, hiring lawyers, bailing out after DUIs, moving my son from one university to another, writing unlimited checks to solve my son's problems. solve was in quotes there, and on and on, to no avail. Milestone number one, I crawled into an Al-Anon meeting. I learned to detach. That took years. I learned how damaging my mothering, managing, martyring, and manipulating was to my son. I learned gradually over time to stop enabling my son. Once I got out of the way, stopped attempting to be God, my son found recovery. We slowly rebuilt our relationship. For six and a half years, life was good and my son was sober and thriving. Now for my most profound milestone number two. I was attending Al-Anon once a week, not really doing much service and rarely talked with my sponsor. And then I got the first drunk relapse call from my son. After six and a half years sober, he was blackout drunk in California, 2,000 miles away, in a hotel destroying his business and his life. And my relapse began. I hired an interventionist, sober coaches, lawyers, treatment centers, ambulances over five times in five days stayed on the phone for hours with my incoherent son. Thank God I also called my sponsor, attended a meeting every day, surrounded myself with Al-Anon friends, prayed all day, and finally after three weeks of trying to save my son, I surrendered. I hit a wall and knew that I was powerless. I stopped taking my son's calls, fired the sober coach I was paying to live with him, and surrendered. I prayed and went to meetings many times per day. I finally got out of the way again, and my son found recovery again on his own. Milestone number two is my greatest recovery milestone so far. As with an alcoholic relapse, an Al-Anon relapse is more profound than the initial disease infection. I am grateful every day for this program. It has saved my life over and over. I will never graduate. When I slip, I know what to do, get to a meeting, do some service, call an Al-Anon friend, work the steps, and listen to the recovery show. Thanks for all you do, Deborah C in Florida. Thank you, Deborah, for contributing your milestones, which, whoa, big ones there. Mary answers a couple of the questions that were in the original email that I sent out. First question is, what can you identify as significant events or turning points in your travels on the road to recovery? She says, I can identify many significant events and turning points in my recovery journey. The first one is showing up to my first meeting. I was so relieved to hear the three C's and to have found a community of people who understood me. The second one is when I asked my then still drinking spouse to move out. This was about two years into the program. My spouse would sometimes get drunk while watching our children. I realized that I was accepting unacceptable behavior. I knew I could no longer give him an opportunity to do this, so I asked him to move out of the house. I was going to be out of town for the weekend for a funeral. My grandma died of old age. I informed my spouse that he would no longer be living at our house when I returned from the funeral. I didn't know how he would respond, but I let go of the outcome. When I came back, he tried to talk me out of it, but I stayed firm in my decision. He had made lots of promises related to drinking before, and I had learned that he could not be trusted to keep his promises around drinking. Thankfully, he moved out. The kids were still quite young, so they didn't ask too many questions. While we were separated, he decided to get sober, and with three months of sobriety under his belt, he asked if he could move back in. I said yes. We are still happily married 11 years later. Another significant event was when I started my first meeting. I started a meeting for Asians as I didn't see many faces that looked like me or other people of color in general. I knew that alcoholism affected people of color just as much, if not more, and I wondered why they weren't in the rooms. I wanted to carry the message to all who suffer, including Asians and people of color. Starting the meeting taught me so much about doing service and has helped me meet so many other people of color in the program. I'm so very grateful that I hung in there and kept coming back and eventually found meetings where I can truly be myself in the fullest sense of the word. And the second question. Have you experienced a miracle, higher power, or spiritual awakening moment? I had a spiritual awakening a few months into the program. Before program, my higher power was a God who constantly judged me and was trying to decide if I was good or bad. In meetings and literature, I learned that I could have a higher power of my own understanding. I met this woman at my friend's wedding who prophetically told me that God knew my heart and how hard I was striving. She told me that God saw me and that God approved of me. I realized that my image of God was not right. God was eager to love me, not eager to judge. I came to embrace this new understanding of God, and today I have a higher power who is so loving and gentle. She tells me every moment of every day that I am good and I am beloved. I even got beloved tattooed on my forearm as a reminder. I am so grateful for this spiritual awakening. Kathy A. sent us a voice memo.
2: Hi, Spencer. This is Kathy A., When you ask for milestones, the thing that came to mind for me were two situations where it seemed like a switch was flipped or a door was closed, and I started a new path. The first one, my brother was schizophrenic, and after the passing of my mom, I was trying to be his caregiver 2,000 miles away uh to someone who really had no way of organizing his life. And I was very frustrated. As a matter of fact, I was trying to use my program on it. I felt, you know, inept, but also trying to control. And one day my husband said to me in an offhand way, he is a train wreck. And when I heard that, it touched me. It touched me in my mind and my heart to make me realize that all these things I was trying to do were not going to change the truth of his life and that I had to set boundaries that protected me and my family. And if things didn't go well for him, that was something outside of my control. And later on, when my son, who became my loved one that I talk about in Al-Anon, had gotten to the point where he was no longer following the rules that we had set for him to live with us in our house. The day that I was sure that he absolutely had not been going to school as he pretended to be, I was able to say, you have to move out and give him a deadline and absolutely felt no pain, fear, unhappiness about it because I I knew that I knew that it was the right thing to do. And years later, he thanked me and his dad for doing that because it made him face his situation and seek the truth. So those two occasions were definitely milestones for me. And when I look back over my recovery, I realize that whatever happened in each of these situations gave me the power to see the truth that I am powerless and that my efforts were not
0: helpful. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Kathy. I talked to Heather C. at the al International Convention in Albuquerque. I am here at the al International Convention with Heather C. And Heather's got a milestone to share with us.
3: Hey, thanks, Spencer.
0: It's so great being here with you in
3: person in the flesh. Your voice looks exactly like it sounds when I'm listening to you. And that's really exciting. And I'm very excited to be here to talk about milestones. I was thinking this morning as I was journaling about how, for me, I think about milestones and I immediately think spiritual awakenings because this is a spiritual program. But when I think deeper into that, spiritual awakening for me is like waking up. I've been blindly sleepwalking through this life. And now in program, I'm awake, I'm present, I'm here, and I'm watching things as they're happening. And so that's kind of like a way of living for me. But I still in that way of living now have those awakening moments where it's like that aha moment, and I get a little better understanding of what's going on in my life. And so that's what spiritual awakening is for me. The milestones are the Big ones, the big deal spiritual awakenings where it's holy cow, <laughs> this is happening. And that's where I get to see my progress. And I thought of, of three. So I'll just jump in. The first one that I really recognize is using my voice to fulfill my needs instead of manipulating the situation so that someone else can fulfill my needs. And international convention here is reminding me of when I went to my very first weekend retreat. And my sponsor had been on me like, you gotta go, you gotta go. No, I'm not ready to tell my partner about that yet. No, I'm not ready to ask for time. No, I'm not ready to bring it up because my partner believed that the ideal mother, wife, person needed to be at home and getting time away was something that I hadn't done in a long time. I had given my time up to my partner, wife, mother, etc. role. When I first heard about that one retreat, I kept the flyer for months. And then I finally said to my partner, this is what I want for Christmas this year. I want you to give this to me for Christmas. (laughs) Yes, I was manipulating. Yes, I was forcing a solution. But he of course said, that's not a Christmas gift. That's a dumb Christmas gift. And I said, that's all I want. Because in my mind, if he gave that to me for Christmas, he couldn't judge me. He couldn't have an opinion later Now, I know today that's not true. And when the time came, he did give it to me for Christmas and I did go and he did spend the week beforehand not talking to me because he was having all of his own emotions. And I went to that retreat and my life changed dramatically. I came home from that retreat and I said, by the way, I will always be going on retreats now for the rest of my days because what happened at that retreat changed my life. And so I I learned that I can give that to myself. I make the money. I make the decisions. I can give myself retreats. I don't need anyone else to be manipulated into approving or liking that I'm going to be going on things that take care of myself. So that was a major milestone for me. Yeah. One of the other major milestones for me I, so I grew up in an alcoholic home. I married into an alcoholic home. And when I came into program, I knew the litany like this is my mom, this is my dad, this is my sister, this is me. I know all of our problems. I don't really care about having a relationship with my parents. I've already basically made that emotional void with them. Let's work on everything else. And my sponsor was like, okay, let's see how it goes. Let's do the work. And sure enough, I did the work. And when it came to my mom, who's my, my, my main loved one, it was very difficult for me to do the work to spend time with her because I grew up in a very violent, very abusive, emotionally, psychologically, physically abusive situation. And so to even want to spend time with her was very hard for me. And I had to do baby steps. But the major milestone came when I went over to my mom's house one day and something, (laughs) quote unquote, something washed over me. A grace washed over me. And she started talking about how she was in therapy. And I just listened. And there was that first response. And I heard in the rooms a long time ago, I'm not responsible for my first thought, but I am responsible for my second thought now that I have program. And I did have that first response was, oh my God, here we go again. She's going to talk all about her, so self-absorbed. And the grace washed over me. I just was able to listen. I was able to listen without judgment. I was able to have an adult conversation with my mom without judgment And I shared adult vulnerable things with me without being afraid of her because she can't hurt me anymore. And, oh, I'm getting a little choked up on that, but I've healed myself enough that there's, you know, I'm good. I don't need her to give to me that anymore because I know that she doesn't have it to give. And the milestone was that I heard my higher power say to me, you don't need to blame her anymore. You can let go. And that was deep for me.
0: Yeah, and and you said you had three. Do you want to, are you ready to talk about the third? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah. So the third one was with my sister. You know, when I was doing the amends process, I wrote out all of my amends and, um, I, I, really wanted to do the one with my sister because, you know, I see Hallmark sisters and they're so beautiful, right? I want that relationship. And I knew that we didn't have that. My family dynamic, I was the aggressive one, the firstborn child, the straight A student, the one that always rose up in the face of my violent mom. And and that probably looked equally as aggressive to my sister. She was the one that was always hiding in her room, never facing things. And we grew up as adults in those same dynamics. So I was really forcing a solution to make the amends moment with her. I would call her, hey, you want to go out for coffee? Hey, you want to do this? Can I talk? I really need to talk with you. And she always said no. And I was so upset because I just wanted to do my amends so that she would see how much I've changed. <laughs> and my sponsor said, look, you've done the work. That's all you can do. Now let go of it. Give it to God. Keep praying about it. If God you know higher power is going to make it happen you just say a higher power make it the moment happen and it'll happen when it needs to happen and in the meantime just be living the life that i've learned how to live through the program which is the language of love the language of unconditional acceptance and letting go and so i did that and i've started just being there for my sister not judging not being aggressive showing what calm looks like which we didn't know growing up everything was a whirlwind that was I don't know, maybe a few years ago that I wrote the amends. And lo and behold, today, my sister and I have a relationship. It is not a Hallmark relationship because we don't have a Hallmark life. <laughs> but it's a good relationship and it's getting better every day. And I'm in a situation right now where, long story short, I've moved and me and my family of four and dog with all of our issues are housing temporarily at my sister's. And she's welcomed us into her home And she and I get to have this time together and it is magical. It is a total gift. The milestone for me is learning to let go of how it's supposed to look and really embracing first how it looks and being open to receive how it can evolve in and just be in joy of that in the moment. And it's really a gift. (laughs) Thanks.
0: Thank you so much, Heather, and and it was great to meet you and, and a number of other people here at the conference so far. I'm glad we had this time to record. And Sarah T. sent us a voice memo.
4: Hi, Spencer and Eric and Recovery Show. This is Sarah T. from Massachusetts. I am calling in response to your idea for your 400th episode on milestones and big important moments. And I want to share a milestone that happened for me in my recovery. Um, it was when I got a breast cancer diagnosis in 2020. It was a process, right? I got this breast cancer diagnosis. And a thing that happens when one has a cancer diagnosis is one has to make a bunch of choices about various treatments and surgery and et cetera, et cetera. How to deal with work, who to tell, how to talk to my kids. There's so many choices. Fortunately, I had a couple of years of Al-Anon under my belt at that point, and I had a place to turn. I turned to my higher power. I had enough experience at that point that I believed my higher power was there, and I needed guidance. So I turned to my higher power And I received guidance and I made choices. And after each choice, I got the chance to see if it was the right choice for me and to feel it out and change course if I needed to. But I really found that if I tuned in and listened to my higher power, that I was able to make those choices. And I had this interesting experience when I would ask my higher power for help with these choices. I would say, should I do this or this? And my higher power every time would answer me, you have everything you need to make this decision. Because that was the message that I needed to hear from my higher power. And that was the reason that my cancer diagnosis and that process of going through treatment and surgery, etc., resulted in a huge milestone for me. Because I, after that experience of having tuned in and listened to my higher power, I couldn't turn that voice off in my head. Moreover, I didn't want to break that connection with my higher power. But honestly, I had a hard time solidifying the connection with my higher power before that because I didn't like what my higher power was telling me. And after that experience with breast cancer, I knew that even if I didn't like what my higher power was telling me, that that it was probably true that it was uh probably a good way for me to uh, find guidance so i started to hear the messages that i had been in denial about and suppressing and i had been unhappy in my marriage for several years before that cancer diagnosis and treatment experience and after that i found the courage in less than a year to Initiate the process of breaking up with my spouse and getting a divorce. That milestone in my life led to another milestone, really, but it was like the linchpin that helped me make change and shift in a way that I really needed to. Yeah. And, and I know for sure that my higher power and Alanon are the reason that I was able to finally tune in and utilize my spiritual program in these powerful ways. Thank you so much for the topic.
0: Thank you, Sarah. Anonymous wrote, Thank you so much for giving life to 400 episodes of The Recovery Show. Your show has provided information as well as comfort and peace to me. As my loved one got more and more ill, I looked for information about what to do and how to handle the issues and feelings that I had had no experience with addiction. Your podcast helped me to accept the words that my loved one was in active addiction. I was able to stage an intervention, and it was successful. My loved one will celebrate three years of sobriety on July 24th, and that is partially due to you and your work. Isn't that amazing? Blessings, Anonymous. Thank you, Anonymous. Tracy P. sent a voice memo.
5: Hi, Spencer and fellow Recovery Show listener members. Uh, My name's Tracy. I'm calling from New Orleans. I've been a member of Al-Anon for about five years. I have um, an active meeting that I go to at least once a week here uh, in New Orleans, and I've just experienced enormous recovery over the years in Al-Anon. I often find that the Recovery Show is there for me when I feel like I can't make a phone call. I'll turn on an episode that brings me a lot of peace and suddenly find myself a bit more sane, a bit more able to make healthy choices. I'm so grateful for the show. My milestone recently was that I saw a family member who I haven't seen in about four years. She walked me in every way, even though she was really the abuser most of our lives. Anyway, I had to see her at a big family event and She did a lot of the same behaviors that she's always done, but I was different. And I found myself being able to detach with love. And I surprised myself by just looking at these behaviors being enacted towards me. And in my own head, like my sponsor says, wow, the woodchuck is chucking (laughs) wood. It's the, the same thing. As ever. But instead of being triggered and spiraled, I was able to look at it with detached and amuse, amusement that nothing had changed, but I had changed. And I had a wonderful day, regardless of what she did. It was amazing. The other thing I would like to address in this message is Tradition 7. And if I could read for a moment from Paths to Recovery... It says, we as Al-Anon members provide the sole financial support for our Al-Anon groups. The only requirement for membership in Al-Anon is to have been affected by the disease of alcoholism and a friend or relative. The only requirement for any contributor to Al-Anon is to be a member. With sufficient membership contributions, Al-Anon will always be there for family and friends of alcoholics, much like this podcast is always there for us. This tradition, though it speaks directly to individuals and the group, in fact, speaks to the entire fellowship. Little is asked of us as newcomers, we are welcomed without obligation to a group with no dues or fees. When the group treasurer passes the basket, it's explained that contributions are voluntary. We're encouraged to take some time for ourselves before trying to take part in any of the group function. Eventually, we need to participate to work the SIPs and add our voice and resources to the group in order to continue our recovery. As individuals, we come to believe that to keep al functioning and available, our group has to take care of its own needs. It says a, lo- a lot of really lovely and relevant things that talks about continued availability depending on us. Each group has expenses such as rent, literature, refreshments, a post office box, etc., And some of us believe that satisfying these group expenses uh, means we are fully self-supporting or contributing to keeping one meeting available. And that is significant. However, as members of a worldwide membership, we eventually discover how vast our community really is and how important the services are that we sometimes take for granted. It talks about how there's more to do than bringing home a paycheck, how we all volunteer on our own way how it's unhealthy for a group to let just a few members do everything. The volunteers are likely to feel overwhelmed and underappreciated while those not involved feel left out and discounted. When we volunteer, we enhance our own program, bond with the group, and raise our self-esteem through useful labor. Balance is key. They also talk about how no one should be allowed to give large amounts at one time. So I think the elephant in the room here, Spencer, is that we all know as listeners that you don't do this podcast for gain. I think we've all experienced, those of us who are very involved in Alamon, that when we take a program call or offer something up during a meeting or sponsor someone, we get as much as we give. And I really believe that this is good for you as well as it is for us. We've all listened to you grow. and listen to your contributors grow, and we've all grown as a group. So I don't think anyone believes that you have ever done this podcast 400 episodes worth for any sort of personal gain except for your own inner wisdom and inner journey. And we all are so incredibly grateful to you for that. And I would like to ask that you please let us, fellow members of this digital meeting, put our Two dollars, which seems to be the normal amount people donate in the group psych up to into the basket. I think you should allow us to reimburse you for the equipment you bought over the years to pay for your electricity to do all of this and to buy your plane ticket to the next worldwide meeting that you go to. That's not a lot. And I think it would make each of us feel really good to click a button and Send our $2 to you. Nothing more. No one should be allowed to make a bigger contribution, it says, in enhanced recovery. But I think it would be meaningful to me and meaningful to a lot of your listeners to be able to cover the most basic expenses of in this incredible service you've provided to all of us. All right. Lots of love.
0: Bye. Thanks, Tracy. And thank you for your thoughts about supporting The Recovery Show. I do welcome whatever support you send me, but I wouldn't want to set, you know, a particular monetary value on it. I will say that the contributions that I get are sufficient to support the activities of recording, producing, and distributing the show as a podcast. Yeah, it would be awesome to be able to travel and go to a conference as, I guess, representative of the recovery show. But also, you know, Tradition 7 says we should be fully self-supporting, and I certainly got a lot for me out of going to the International Convention. I need to contribute some of my own to that. But thank you for those remarks. I do appreciate it. Thank you. Janice writes, Dear Spencer, thank you for your show. I recently found this podcast about a month ago, and since then I find myself listening every day. Flipping back and forth to older episodes and new ones when a new one comes out. I'm writing today to share some milestones in recovery. My journey began as a teenager in Alateen and in the kitchens of AA meetings as my mother was in recovery from about when I was 10 years old. Then, later in life when I was married to an active alcoholic, since divorced, I entered the rooms of Al-Anon. And since 2012, I joined the program as a member in recovery myself. These all in themselves are individual milestones. However, the one particular one I would draw attention to is my Al-Anon journey as a member of another fellowship. This is a unique perspective and one I haven't heard discussed much on the podcast. As a child of an alcoholic and the spouse of an alcoholic, I never suspected I would become an alcoholic. Proof God has a sense of humor and his way to humble us. I never expected I would have to do the 12 steps in recovery for myself, but here I am. I worked the steps through multiple ways, but most recently, after 10 years in the program, for my own addiction, I am working them through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I find the recovery show is an integral part of my Al-Anon program, along with a regular in-person meeting, which is a 12-step meeting for all 12-steppers. Not just AA, Al-Anon, or OA, we welcome anyone wanting to work the 12-steps in-person and Zoom hybrid. Since hearing the episode Co-Crazy, I am jumping back into personal therapy as well. After reading another publication about codependency years ago, I realized my drug of choice was not alcohol, it was people, and my ability to control people, places, and things, and it became alcohol when I got divorced. Another milestone. My life today is full of Step 12, practicing these principles in all of our affairs. We often speak of recovery in absolutes, and many people say there are no musts in the program, only suggestions. However, the big book of AA is full of musts, and I must practice these steps, all of these steps, daily, to keep my consistent contact with the God of my understanding. Thanks again for all you do. Podcasting is a labor of love. Thank you. Thank you, Janice. Pat left us a voicemail.
6: Hi, Spencer. This is Pat from the West Coast. I'm calling about your request for landmarks in our growth, in our recovery through Al-Anon. I think one of the ones that came to mind, quite a few came to mind. One of the biggest ones was really a starting point in beginning to understand the value and the presence and the availability of a relationship with a higher power. I was raised in a a very organized religious standard home and had pretty much rejected all of that, the the teachings, how I took those teachings. I don't think that's necessarily true of the religion I grew up in, but as a child, I perceived it a particular way, one of being very negative and judgmental and not particularly loving. And I just remember pretty early on being at with end one day, just not knowing what I could do. And the fact that Al Anon teaches that we don't pray for specifics, but to understand God's will and the power to carry that out was very powerful for me. And in this day of need, I reached out and said the serenity prayer. And I didn't, I couldn't That's even right. recite the whole thing. I was kind of stumbled through it. Like, okay, I kind of remember, kind of, sort of what it is. But it brought me such peace, and it gave me a place to start from. It was a huge turning point for me and a place for me to move forward into exploring and developing my relationship with my higher power. And that comes to the current year where you asked for achievement or points of growth in 2022. And so it's a very late share and you've already done the episode. But it does tie in because this year in particular, I've found myself having a really warm, supportive relationship with my higher power and coming to the place where frequently On at least an almost daily basis, I'm able to say to God, please let me know what your will is. Please help me want to do what your will is. Help me to remember that when, this one always makes me laugh. I I just made myself crack up the first time I thought of it, which was like, okay, if there is God's will and my will is different from God's will, well, it's a pretty sure bet that God's will is the better idea. I've taken that to heart. For some reason, that's a really gentle way of thinking about God's will that helps me be, again, more open to it. But it's been a pretty powerful turning, been a slow turn, like a big ship taking a turn. But it's been over the year and has, I think, come to pass a great deal because of the time that I spend um, with my sponsor. And COVID has given us a great gift because... My sponsor's hearing has been um, deteriorating, and it's very challenging for um, her to be able to interact with people. But because of COVID and because of Zoom, we have an ongoing, wonderful, very strong relationship and the ability to interact in a way that allows her to participate fully. Thank you so much for everything you do, Spencer.
0: Thanks, Pat. Alba sent a voice memo.
7: Hi Spencer, my name is Alba and I am a grateful member of Alanon and also a grateful listener of your podcast. This is a long overdue message to congratulate for the wonderful milestone of 400 episodes of your podcast. I'm both an old timer in Alanon and an old timer due to the age, but um also an old timer for your show. And how shall I count the praises and the thanks to you and for what you have done for our community? I've been in recovery for 13 years. Five years at the beginning were due to my attempt to forcefully treat my husband for his alcoholism. I'd lived with him for 32 years of marriage and I still thought that his irritability and controlling attitude towards me was due to his stress at work as a physician. Then I found out, and when I found out, I realized that he would not seek recovery by himself and got got into treatment through an intervention. The first five years of my recovery were spent really concentrating on myself and learning all the tools for a good recovery and starting figuring out how to make myself happy. He kept five years sober since he was monitor, But as soon as they stopped the monitoring, he relapsed and has been a relapse ever since. When I found out that he had relapsed, I already had a good program behind me and got the chance to feel like a newcomer for the first time and use my program. Your podcast has helped me both time at the beginning and now. He's still maintaining controlled drinking, and I've decided to tell only certain friends and very few people in my family, uh, members, that he has resumed drinking again. He knows how to only drink water in public, and is a highly skillful secret drinker. I've been attending the same meeting from the beginning, and I've had three sponsors, my present sponsor is a dual winner and is giving me a lot of wisdom in terms of compassion and understanding towards my husband and uh, towards myself. When I'm in a bind of anxiety, obsessive thinking, doubting myself, I use the tools and slogan of the program, hands off, all space off, leave and let live, keep the focus on yourself, prayer, write it down, all my catastrophic thoughts for the future, put on a real pair of glasses, not so dark, that I cannot see the love that I still have for my husband and he still has for me. He's a very bright man and can make me doubt myself when he wants to argue a point and win. Sometimes I can't resist and I want to win, but sometimes I say, time out, I don't want to discuss it. He has followed my lead in taking care of my granddaughter one day a week, and that has given both of us a lot of joy. Day by day, I decide to stay with him. He's not cruel and is not me, only harsh at times towards me. And I know how to protect myself, and he's always let me free to do what I want. I've learned to initiate things that are good for me. It's not easy to live with an active, secret, drinking person. He doesn't share a lot of himself with me, and I often feel lonely. But we have shared moments, watching TV, holding hands, and a lot of shared good moments with adult children and their children and also our friends. Times, though, when I find the evidence that he's still sick and hides his drinking, I'm deeply sad. But I use my tool, let go and let God. I give him to my higher power. I'm grateful for what I still have. I started my recovery old and uh, I can practice my recovering in all my affairs and be a better person for that. With my family and with all with my friends. And that's a huge advantage, especially with my adult children. I'm always watching that I don't interfere with their choices. And I appreciate my relationship with them that are honest and loving. One day at a time, I'm facing my old age, but I try to be more gentle and tender with myself and others in words and action. My idea of my higher power is uh, that my higher power is love and uh, has uh, a lot of tenderness uh, towards me. Thanks to my higher power, my special friends in Alonon, and also your great podcast, I keep making progress. When I need your counsel, I go for a walk and look up the topic in your index, and I usually hear what I need to hear from our collective experience, strength, and hope. Congratulations for each 400-episode milestone. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you for all the services to do to us.
0: Thanks, Alba. Michelle sent a voicemail.
8: Thanks, Centers. This is Michelle, Menzo of and your Podcast. I wanted to share on that significant milestone concept or idea for your full show. And I just wanted to tell you that after doing a lot of work the last ten years, but more avid, consistent work than last four years, it was one night where My qualifier wanted to go to a family just together, and and I know that there was always drinking there, and it made me super uncomfortable because it just went a lot. And we had made some commitments to each other and had talked about how we were going to get out of there by 12, so it was going to be fine, and because we had been trying to communicate that the drinking was becoming unmanageable. uh, And I was obviously doing some things to try to control her and to change the outcome. But ultimately, when we were at this party, everybody was drinking, and I decided to call a friend and just go get coffee. And I drove my calls by her, Hey, listen, I'm going to come back for you at 12, and then we're going to drive back home, which is an hour away. During my drive to my friend's house, I listened to one of your podcasts, and the whole concept of, Letting go of the rope came up. And wow, did that moment really change my perspective. Because the first thing that I noticed right away is that I left the party. I chose not to be there because it wasn't fun for me to see my loved one doing something that hurt me. And so that change of behavior right away was like incredible. But then I knew as 12 o'clock people around and I called them, to say, hey, I'm going to come pick you up. And of course, not because by nine, they did not want to leave. I just found told, I need to take care of myself. And I would like to go to bed soon. Give them away so they can get to the house. Figure out an Uber from just a friend that was not thinking that drive me home. But at least they made arrangements so I didn't have to. Keep playing this game and putting myself in a place where my boundaries where me
0: dumped on. Thanks, Michelle. Ted says hello, Spencer. I thank you so very much for your patience and to you and all of your co hosts for your service. As I have told you before, you are an important part of my recovery. I thought of the topic and was looking for more, but I think this is my biggest and most important milestone so far. I am looking forward to making this the second most important someday. When I started Al-Anon, I looked for a sponsor right away. I came because I see my wife with a smile on her face every day. I am convinced this is what a 12-step program can do for me. She is a member of another program and a huge advocate of 12-step. However, my home group is a small meeting in which there was only one other male. He had a very strong program and helped me. His story was nothing like mine and it didn't go anywhere. I finally asked him if we could work the steps. When COVID hit, I had been in the program for three years, and an episode with one of our children forced us to call the police and drove me to reach out for help. My sponsor was not answering, and I needed serious help. I could see myself going into a deep depression where I have been before and never want to get to again. I called someone I had only heard speak twice and didn't know at all. He just sounded like he was very grounded and had been through a lot. Little did I know my higher power must have directed me to him. He has so many similarities to my story, it was amazing. My wife is in the mental health industry, and he is in the medical field also. This would come to be an important part of my recovery, because I had a hard time understanding how I could ask my wife to detach from her children when she has devoted her life to helping others. We have three troubled children with addiction and mental health issues. As we talked over the next while, I learned he also had three children with almost identical issues as well. We started working through the steps, and I found it extremely helpful to have someone with his knowledge and strength in the program walking me through at my time. Little did I know I was to learn not to ask her to detach from her children. I was here to learn to detach and set boundaries for her and her children. I owe a lot to him in this program, but I still have a long way to go. I am still working through my steps and am now halfway although I was greatly disappointed in missing my chance to meet you at the convention. I will leave it to my higher power, and we'll see where it takes me. It's been a pleasure listening to you and your co-hosts, as I'm a little over halfway through the episodes. I look forward to number 400. With gratitude for all you do, Ted. And thank you, Ted. And yeah, I'm sorry we didn't manage to, to meet up at the convention also. And as I said earlier, I had a lot of fun meeting some other people. But maybe next time. Who knows? It has taken me a while to finish editing this episode, partly due to going on vacation and partly due to my wife getting COVID and me not testing positive for COVID, but definitely feeling under the weather. I'm trying to finish this up today. Got one more email from April. She says, as so many others have said, your podcast has been absolutely instrumental in my recovery. I joined Al-Anon in October 2015 a few months before my initial qualifier, my father died from the disease in March 2016. During the pandemic, maybe 2020, I joined ACA and have been working both programs since. My milestone in Elanon is that I now have a real relationship with a higher power and I pray to my higher power daily via writing a little note to my HP on a post-it note and putting the note in my God box. I pray some version of an 11-step prayer, Dear higher power, please allow me to know your will for me, and to have the power to carry it out. Please allow me to feel and know your love, care, and validation. To such a degree, I need not look for those things outside myself. Please shine your light through me. And so on. Through these prayer notes, the beauty of the prayer note is that it is contained to the amount of space on the post-it. It doesn't go on and on. I have manifested so much recovery in my life, in my relationship with my husband and son, in my job and with myself. It feels I can't really do the profundity of it all justice through this message right now, but suffice it to say, I am immensely grateful for your podcast and that it has been available to help me on my path. Thank you so much. Yours in recovery, April. And April, thank you for sending that. And this is a beautiful one to end with. And that is a wrap. Thank you. Thank you, Eric, for suggesting the topic and for being here to frame this episode after a short break we will continue with our lives in recovery where we talk about how recovery is working in our daily lives we each picked a song for this episode and you said this one was meaningful to you in that first milestone tell me about it yeah so this was
1: the song these uh, therapists at this program i went to after i acted out my scene which i've shared before which was really emotional they picked this song for me as they picked an individual song for everyone else in my group of a dozen. And this song is by Brandon Heath called Give Me Your Eyes. Some of the lyrics say, look down from a broken sky, traced out by the city lights. My world from a mile high, best seat in the house tonight. Touch down on the coal black tar, hold on. For the sudden stop, breathe in the familiar shock of confusion and chaos. All these people going somewhere, why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me a heart for the ones forgotten. It's just, I tear up every time I listen to it. It's the point and the meaning I I put in. I found some interesting information about the song. The meaning behind the words is basically speaking about that he's asking God to give him better perspective and give me his eyes to see and have compassion so he can see the people that are struggling and see from their perspective. One of the other big milestones I didn't mention, and it plays right into this song, was when I finally embraced the fact that my alcoholic was a sick person, not a bad person, I broke free. I broke free of resentment and blame and anger. And this is what this is about. Give me your eyes to Mm. see that this person is struggling and hurting. And they are not a bad person. They are a sick person. So it's asking for help. That's what this song means to me.
0: And if I can add, for me, there was a milestone of recognizing that I still loved that person that was buried underneath The disease of alcoholism. when that is exactly this kind of compassionate view, compassionate eyes, God's eyes. It's so cool. I watched uh, the video last night, and it starts out, he's in this airport baggage area, and everybody is still. They're in the middle of frozen in whatever motion they're doing, and he's walking through them and not interacting with them at all and by the end of the video they're like all talking to each other and being friendly and at least that's what i got from just that one watching it actually illustrates that transformation i think
1: it's a really powerful song and the, the video like you said is unbelievable i've shared this so many times and people really react strongly to it there's no light switch for love I, I even when my alcoholic was behaving so badly and dangerously i couldn't not help but still have some love for her i said and still do and even though she's no longer with us i love the person that she was i hated the disease and that's the difference yep. i now know for sure
0: In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery. How have we experienced recovery recently? For me, I spent three days imbibing Al-Anon through a fire hose at the international convention in Albuquerque. I had not been to one before. I'd been to some smaller AA conventions. I don't think I'd ever been to one that was exclusively Al-Anon. There were small workshops. The one that I managed to get into because there were so many people, they had size limits on the rooms. The Albuquerque fire marshal would not let them put more people in the room than there were seats. You couldn't stand, you couldn't sit on the floor, you had to be in a seat. So there were very strict limits on the size of some of these and some of the ones that we tried to get into, we didn't get there early enough, right? But I got into one and... This was looking at one of the chapters in the Alanon Intimacy book. I think it was the one on boundaries. Somebody would read some paragraphs from the book and then they invited people to get up and share it. So it felt it really was. It was a meeting. We opened with the Serenity Prayer, we closed with the Alanon Declaration, and in between we shared on the readings that were presented to us. That was a Very powerful session. People shared some really honest and raw stuff in that session. Obviously, I can't reveal anything of what was said because what we see here, what we hear here stays here, right? Other sessions all had a topic. And several of the other sessions we went to, they were an hour and a half long. And they had two speakers each with about 40 minutes. And typically they were sharing their story, but. Focused on the particular topics, but we went to one about sponsorship and a couple of excellent speakers there. I'm hoping to get some of these speakers on the podcast. I gave them cards and said, "Please email me. I haven't heard from them yet, so we'll see. And then there were speakers Friday morning, I think. I know they were speakers Friday morning. I'm trying to remember. I think there were two in the opening sort of the opening session because it started with this like parade of people from all over the world carrying banners and stuff for their state or their country. Um, And then there were some opening words from somebody from WSO, and then a couple of speakers. All the speakers were really good. Then Saturday evening, there were three speakers. I missed one because... Getting dinner in downtown Albuquerque on Saturday night is near to impossible, but we managed to, but we were late getting back to the session. And then Sunday morning, there were three speakers, including the sort of token AA speaker, who yep. is the general manager of the New York service office for AA. He had a great story. And then the last speaker killed me. I had heard her story before, partway in, she said something, and I'm like, oh, I've heard this story. Didn't matter. It didn't matter that I knew what was coming. It didn't matter that I'd heard her before. Her story was so powerful. I was in tears by the end. So it was an amazing experience. I also got to meet some podcast listeners. We hooked up, they have this app where you can connect with people, and so Somebody would say, hey, I want to meet you. And I'd say, let's meet at this place after the first session in the morning or whatever. And so I got to meet some some of my listeners. And I'm really grateful to the people who took the time to to seek me out. And then pointed me to other people. And it was a, a little bit embarrassing. It was a really amazing experience. My wife came with me, attended most of the sessions. One of the things they had at the conference was the new Daily Reader. I don't know if you knew that there's a new daily reader. It's called A Little Time for Myself, a collection of on personal experiences and I've read a few days in it so far because I bought it at the conference. Uh, and it looks pretty good. I don't think it's got an ebook version yet. I'm sure it will. Okay. Yeah. That's a process, it takes time. It was a great experience. So that's I'm going to stop with that because that's just like when I think about my recovery in the past couple of weeks—that thing rises to the top. How about you, Eric? What's going on with you and your recovery life?
1: Pretty much status quo. I'm doing pretty well. My morning, seven thirty a.m. meeting almost every day. I'm just—I have this gigantic project I'm finishing, a huge house in Greenwich that I'm renovating, and I'm, I'm a month away from completion after almost seventeen, sixteen months. Boy. So I'm. Um, a little preoccupied with that and not not every day focused on my 7.30. You are not alone meeting, mm-hmm. uh, but I do attend it every Saturday, Sunday, and a couple of days a week, midweek, which I'm a, an alternate GR for that. So that's been really rewarding. It's 120 people almost every single morning. Really strong group. My three sponsees, two of the three have been very active. They're both on the fourth step. So that's really helping me to go back through the fourth step and examine my uh, character traits with them and see their perspective of having you know i've been through it three or four times but there's no graduation from this and i, I need to keep my tools polished and that's very helpful so i meet with them one guy person in person every sunday and on the phone every tuesday and the other calls every tuesday night as well he's in la now so that's been very good and public outreach has kept me very busy through the spring. I have just gigantic events in that happened this spring everywhere from Foxwood Resort, the casino to Yukon, University of Connecticut with a social work class we presented at Women's Health Expo with several hundred people. I made fortune cookies with Al Anon slogans in them. I have 2,000 fortune cookies. <laughs> With slogans and sayings, some of the ones that you and I have used and just made up, like when in doubt, don't. Just fun stuff. When somebody opens a fortune cookie and sees 1884 Al-Anon and the other side has courage, faces fear and masters it. Just great stuff. That has been very popular. So that has been fun. The summer has been a little slow, but the fall is going to pick back up again. And look, services, I got to say, from the start, one of the waypoints for me was getting involved heavily in service one of the breakthroughs for me is getting out of my head and getting busy. So that's Mm -hmm. what's going on with me.
0: When you got busy, you got better, huh? Yeah. 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 All right. Thank you. Okay. Let's see. So I'm not sure what episode 401 and 402 and so on are going to be about. What I've often been doing these days is, Somebody writes me and says, hey, I'd like to share on this. And I say, great, sign up for a time slot and we'll do it. And that's what we get. I do want to put together another episode with shares from listeners who attended the Al-Anon International Convention to get what it was for you. I talked to somebody on Thursday. They had what they called a day of connection, which was all about service. It was extra, and I decided not to since it was my first convention. Didn't want to overload myself. But that evening there was a party on the plaza outside of the convention center, and I talked to somebody who had sort of accidentally ended up attending those sessions, I think because the friend of hers that had signed up for it wasn't able to make it. She expressed a that it was amazing that it gave her a whole new view of Al-Anon service i'd love to get her to share that on on recording rather than just in the middle of a noisy party on the plaza that sort of thing if you want to share your experience of the convention please email voicemail send a voice memo all those things and we'll make an episode out of it i still have also the talk i gave at an AA convention with l anon participation in Colorado back in February. So I could publish that as an episode at some point. So there's some possibilities coming up, but nothing specific in my mind right now. Eric, how can people send us feedback or share their experience, strength, and hope?
1: Uh, you can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. You can also send us a voice memo or email to feedback at therecovery.show. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of milestones. If you attended the convention, please share your experience with us. If we'd like advanced notice of some of our upcoming topics so that you can contribute, to the topic, you can sign up for our our mailing list by sending an email to feedback at therecovery.show. Put email in the subject line to make it easier to spot.
0: And our website is, as you might have guessed, therecovery.show. There's a bunch of variations that also work, but that's the one that, that popularizing or whatever
1: the com is what I always.
0: Yeah, that one it. works. That still works. Yeah. yeah. And, and, one, and actually,
1: know, s- somebody yeah. said,
0: I typed in recovery.show and it's not yours. So I went and bought that one too. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen recovery.show. Yeah, to- it just takes you, they all take you show.com. to the same place. So it doesn't really matter. I'm old school. I don't know. Yeah, it's fine. We have notes <laughs> for the episode, the outline that we worked from or whatever links to the books that we read from and talked about, so I'll have a link to where you can buy this new Daily Reader in the Al-Anon Bookstore and I looked again and no, it's not in the electronic ones yet yeah, I'm sure it will be videos for the music and there's also some links to other recovery podcasts and websites which I haven't updated in a while but I think they're still good let's see, we're not going to dive into the mailbag this week, figured we got enough listener shares So our last song, our second song, before we close, I chose Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. And I found a little description here that says it better than I could. Uh, It says, this is one of the most beloved songs about change because it acknowledges that moving on from a relationship or life circumstance can be frightening. But again, it's just part of being human. The Landslide of the title is also one of the most interesting metaphors about life you're likely to hear in any song. And this is from a website called Cake, and the title is 40 Songs About Growth and Changing Your Life. And a little bit of lyrics here. I think this is the chorus, yeah. I've been afraid of changing because I built my life around you. But time makes you bolder. Even children get older, and I'm getting older, too. I pulled that out because the second line there, i built my life around you, represents life before Alanon for me. And although that person is still a very important part of my life. I'm not building my life around her anymore. So, yeah, go listen on the website or just on your favorite streaming app.
1: Hey, man, thanks a lot, Spencer. I want to thank you personally. Um, you have been one of the hugest parts of my recovery, and one of the biggest milestones in my recovery was finding this podcast. So I want to just personally thank you
0: uh,
1: for all of the work you do. And the effort that you put in to making such huge changes in thousands of people's lives so Mm.
0: thank you. you thank you and you're welcome it is to some extent a labor of love thank you for listening please keep coming back whatever your problems there are those among us who have had them too if we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time. 400...